Hi, I'm Henk van Rensbergen. I'm an airline pilot and photographer. And I love to read Chris Smith's blog on Culture Matters. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. My name is Chris Smith, and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode 97. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, this is the perfect moment to do so. You can do that in iTunes and Stitcher, of course. Well, here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, of course, whenever and wherever you're listening. Today's guest is Henk van Rensbergen. Henk bought his first camera when he was 16 years old, with which he started taking pictures of empty factories and forgotten castles. Now he flies around the world as a captain on a Boeing 787 Dreamliner. While his crew is relaxing at the local swimming pool, he ventures out to desolated city palaces, overgrown industrial factories or rusted war vessels. With his website in the early 90s and his books Abandoned Places, he was an early pioneer on the urban exploration scene. In 2017, after four years of research, Van Rensbergen published a new book from his new project called No Man's Land, the follow-up of abandoned places. With this project, he goes one step beyond what he has done before and shows a world where mankind is extinct and animals live in our buildings. Now, at first, you might wonder, what does this have to do with culture? But if you dig into the into the um, the podcast, the interview, it actually comes out quite clearly and quite good. And in this episode, it is particularly worth going and watching the video cast as well, because we talk about two pictures, two photos of him that he took uh, in his earlier life with his old project, Abandoned Places, and also the new one, new, No Man's Land. And he explains clearly what to see and how he did what you're seeing there. So go check that out on culturematters.com slash YouTube. But for now, let's get straight to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Good morning, Hank. How are you? Morning, Chris. Good. How are you? I'm good as well. It's um, I know that we are relatively close to each other, and with that, I mean geographically. And if I look at your background, your backdrop, I see first of all, I see two pictures: one of a, um, a desolated bridge or something, and of an old roller coaster. I reckon it's wood. Uh, that's what it looks like from here. But also, it's you have you. It's light where you are, which uh, and I share that same emotion because it's sunny today, and I'm I'm looking outside, and that sun gives me a smile on my face. Um, so enjoying the sun on this um, on this Wednesday, March uh, 14, 2018, recording date. True. So, well, sun is a is a scarce product in Belgium. We don't have that much sun. So when nope. it is sunny, the curtains open and the light streams in. And yes. Light obviously is, is one of the things I uh, I love to work with. 
That's uh, yes, it's very important. Okay, we're going to go talk about that. But first of all, um, I have seen you on TV, Dutch TV. That is, uh, I've seen some of your work. Uh, you're 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 somewhat famous, I guess, or beginning beginning to get somewhat famous. But for those who do not know you, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from. You already told us you're in Belgium right now. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do or what you've done. Well, when I was 16, I bought my uh, first camera. Mm -hmm. was very interested in uh, experimenting with light, uh, double exposures and all that kind of stuff. Didn't want to read any manuals, just wanted to uh, to learn hands-on. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I developed my uh, idea to become an airline pilot, uh, started uh, studying extra mathematics and uh, physics to, uh, to succeed for the entry exam. Mm -hmm. uh, and those two passions, um, have gone uh, each their own way, but have always been somehow interlinked since um, uh, my flying job has enabled me to uh, see many parts of the world. And in those parts of the world, I have discovered many abandoned places. And that is exactly the subject that I have been photographing for the last 30 years. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So there, there are two parts and, and you, you, you mentioned them sort of in one breath, photography and being a pilot. How are they interlinked if they are at all? Well, they are interlinked in the fact that, um, I like to travel. I like adventure. I like to discover. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that goes for both, uh, of my passions. Um, obviously it's a very different kind of sport. Um, photography is, artistic, it's free, it's thinking out of the box, it's uh, trying new things, it's uh, it's succeeding or it is uh, or it is not succeeding. Uh, it's very free thinking. Whereas as an airline pilot, uh, I mostly follow procedures, checklists, mm -hmm. uh, do things in an orderly manner, and there is no room for a lot of um, uh, trying out and failing and I hope trying not. again, obviously. <laughs> I hope not. No, is is it is it? Um, and then all of a sudden, this question pops up in my head: Do you cook? If if you cook, if you make meals, do you make it from a recipe, which is a procedure and a checklist, or do you do it out? <laughs> do, do do you do it out of the box, which could be point and click and relatively low tech in terms of photography? Well, first of all, I must say when I cook, it is on orders of my wife. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that's that is already bad? a big a big distinction. Uh -huh. Um. <laughs> that's that's a good question. Okay, well, think but, about that. We might we might cross. We might come back to yeah, that. Sort of. Probably both. I mean, I use I use the recipe just to make sure not to make any mistakes. I right. don't mind trying out something new. So right. it is it is kind of a, a bit of both worlds. Okay. But uh, I do follow the exact ingredients, and I like to measure on the gram exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So it's 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 edging when it comes to cooking. It edge more edges more to the other side. Um, just out of my my curiosity, you're the second pilot that we have on. Uh, on the on this podcast culture matters podcast first one was, was patrick smith um you can find him on episode 81 he is called he is actually i interviewed him for for being a commercial airline pilot um yeah. and he's got this blog called ask the pilot where people you know ask all these kind of questions about about aircraft and what happens inside and when you're flying etc um i've got this personal interest in flying and traveling um as well my job unfortunately brings me around the world as well and actually, um, you are, you're Belgian, but you fly for the, uh, the Dutch uh, branch of TUI, which is a big travel organization, which also has its own airlines, uh, its own airplanes, I should say. You fly, fly the Dreamliner, the 787. 
Um, is that as just a personal out of personal interest? Is that as nice an aircraft to fly as it is to fly in? Because it's a new generation, you know, it's, it's different. It's, I've flown, yes. I've flown the two we one, the one that Belgians have. I've flown into Mexico a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and it's, does it as fly as smooth as it looks? It's a fantastic airplane to fly. Uh -huh. It's a very, uh, sophisticated airplane. Um, everything that you do as a pilot is going through a computer is being, uh, sort of, uh, checked and measured and then translated into movements of flight controls, which means that it is a very artificial uh, airplane, mm -hmm. but even older airliners all, all have this kind of system, whether it's through servo, uh, yeah. hydraulic systems or through flight computers, they all have that. The 787 takes it another step further, which makes it very easy to fly, which makes it very, very easy to program, mm -hmm. uh, which gives you a very comfortable life as an airline pilot. But sometimes you regret uh, not having uh, to trim away and to feel all the different forces uh, feeding back to you because they're simply filtered out. Uh, but in general, I'm uh, really, really happy and very privileged to fly this uh, this plane. I can imagine. Well, I, I can imagine. It's it, it looks like a very, very cool plane as yes, well. And being yes. a passenger, having been a passenger a couple of times on this uh, on this plane, it's uh, it's nice to be a passenger as well. But you're not here as a pilot because we've had that in the other episode. Well, maybe a bit, but more so as a photographer. Um, okay. And I, I I stumbled across you, so to speak, uh, when I was watching a TV program which was aired on Dutch TV. <laughs> Uh, where they followed you on, on your trips and what you do. Now, um, this is also being recorded in terms of video. Uh, so you can watch what we're, what we're talking about. This is to the audience and what I'm looking at because we're in your living room at this moment. Um, yeah. you can go to culturematters.com and then slash YouTube and then, and, and find the, the, the video cast as well. If I look from to your left and to your right, there are two pictures that you've taken yes. of abandoned places. Now, tell us a little bit about, this thing of photography, which has, which, which I was going to say spun out of control, but you know, it's, it has, this is more than a hobby, right? This, what do you do and what is it? It's more than a hobby because I'm, uh, professionally, uh, an, uh, a, a photographer, I mean, officially. Yeah. Um, it is, it is a fascination of my youth. I mean, everybody as a kid must have been fascinated somehow by an abandoned house on the street mm -hmm. or a cellar an attic where you discovered old photographs, stuff like that. This feeling of rediscovering something that has been forgotten uh, is something that has been very strong uh, with me. Uh, the combination with photography enabled me to visualize what I did, those explorations. Mm -hmm. At first, uh, I made photos to just show my friends where I had been and what the view was from the rooftop of this and that factory. And this was when you but, were 16-ish? Yes, yeah. exactly. And then I realized that I could do so much more with my photography than just show where I had been. And uh, I started trying to translate uh, the feeling I had inside of those buildings in my photographs. Uh, the eerie feelings, uh, the feelings of, uh, of awe, of uh, discovery, of, uh, of uh, anxiety, mm -hmm. all these kind of feelings. And with the photographs, I tried to to give the people who watch my photos a means of reconstructing uh, those places. Mm -hmm. And it is not so much the history that I'm interested in, but more the people who live there uh, through what they have left there, like a calendar on the wall or clothes hanging right. over on, a, on a chair. These uh, artifacts make it possible for the spectator 
to reconstruct how it was, why it was abandoned, who lived there, and so on. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And this this quest of trying to translate feelings and uh, and and my version of the history of the place has led me into uh, into making a lot of photographs, uh, developing a website in the nineties, uh, which was quite uh, something at the time. Yeah, and um, this had led to uh, to being to me being discovered by media, uh, and then when one day and an, uh, a factory was demolished. Then uh, the news uh, would call me. Uh, a journalist would would call me and try to get an interview because I had been in that in this or that factory right. making photos, and now it was being destroyed. Okay, so um, the couple of questions run through my mind. What uh, was, was that? What you did was that illegal? Yes. It's or did, a you, kind did of... you go by the premise of not asking permission but begging for forgiveness afterwards? Uh, no, uh, no, because you won't get permission to enter an abandoned factory because it's simply too dangerous and because right. there are no more owners because they've gone bankrupt or whatever yeah. there is there is nobody this place is left on its own yeah. and there's a hole in the fence and it's just like an invitation that is the the easy part i mean it's a gray zone i uh, i'm trespassing however if you go for instance into an abandoned house mm -hmm. then there's probably still an owner maybe the children of the of the deceased right. owner there's still uh, personal uh, stuff inside and that uh, this is kind of an invasion of their privacy so that's where it stops for me yeah. uh, i just have my own basic rules i don't i don't break in i don't i don't i don't uh, i don't invade anybody's privacy and if i do i just i just retreat and i don't publish photos which which i have taken there sure. um, i take nothing i don't steal i don't um, Actually, you shouldn't be able to see the difference before and or after my visit. Yeah. Um, there's there's a saying I, that there's a saying that goes like, uh, when you do the work, I guess the work that you do is like you only take pictures and you leave footprints. Exactly. And that's exactly. sort of that is that yeah. is sort of in on your mind as well. And even the footprints, it's already it's already too much. You should it should be invisible to anybody uh, yeah. that you have actually been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah now okay. it's easy for an abandoned factory, an abandoned hospital, abandoned big places. It's fine. I mean nobody cares uh for an abandoned house and personal places it, it's a bit more tricky it's a tricky okay now for, uh, on the left and the right uh of the uh, of the the image the uh the record the video that we're that i'm looking at the, the skype recording yeah i'm seeing a bridge and i'm seeing a roller coaster can you describe because it's it i can see what it is and the audience can see what it is as well but d give us a description what what is it where did you take this what's the what's your meaning what's the subtitle for you well, let's start with the um, with the roller coaster, mm -hmm. um, which is a typical photo of my of my abandoned places uh, project. Yeah. It's taken in Japan, okay, um, in an abandoned uh, park amusement park. This um, park was being guarded during daytime, so I went in at night around uh, ten. I went in. There was still a guard. He left at eleven, mm -hmm. um, which means that this photo is actually taken by night. Okay. It's uh, you sh you wouldn't say it because it looks like a daylight photo. It's yes. a it's an eight minute exposure uh, time, which uh, and a wind calm condition, so the trees haven't moved. You can see some star trails because obviously the earth has turned in those eight minutes. And um, this photo uh, um, brings up a lot of good memories because I stood on this wooden and cracking and already a bit rotting <laughs> roller coaster 
in a nice position to make the photo that I was making. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't make any noise. I couldn't make any light because you never know if there is still some guard or yep. whatever. So it was complete darkness. And I knew that I needed an eight minute exposure time. Mm -hmm. So I just counted the seconds. And if you're standing there in the middle of the night and it's very quiet and you count to 60 eight times in a row, yeah. it's like uh, you come in, so in a sort of a trance. Yeah. It's like uh, a meditation. I can imagine. And your ears pick up all the sounds. Your eyes get very used to the darkness. You become one with your environment. Uh, very, very special. I took another photo uh, in this in the same park. That was a four minute exposure time. That was on the on the ground. So I made a small walk while I was counting, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I saw a man standing like this in the bushes, and I was like, oh, "What's he doing there?" And I took my flashlight, but it was a, a doll. It was a, a man size uh, uh, mannequin of a cowboy, which was which was thrown away in the bushes and was watching me. Anyway, you, it's very it's very special to make photos at night these uh these explorations uh i mean i bear them in my uh, i can imagine my heart. that's that's yeah. more than a picture that's an emotion exactly exactly yeah. and if you if you look for a long time at that photo or at least if i do i still i still get that meditational feeling again of uh, utter peace and uh, and quietness so no Whereas no feeling no feelings of the blair witch project there not at all not no. at all no no of, of that um, no i watched that movie I didn't like it. I thought it was too much, uh, too much hassle for nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, exploring places is frightening and is stressful, um, especially in large buildings when you're on your own. You're never sure if there's anyone else. You're always listening. You're never at ease. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is some there is some Blair Witch reality into that. Mm -hmm. But in all these years, I've never seen a corpse, or I've never no. I've never been abducted or no, whatever. no, no, no. <laughs> ghosts. <and laughs> I've stuff. had my moments of scares when I when I bumped into people uh, and stuff like that. But it's it's always turned That's well. That's part of me. the deal. Yeah. yeah. All right, the bridge on the other side. What's that? The bridge on the other side. You probably can't see it from where you are, but under the bridge there is a horse and there's two horses actually <laughs> um, if, if i if i look closely then i can see i, I see somewhat of a form and shape which indeed now yes. you say it's a it's a four footer you can see that yes yes and there's one lying down so there's two okay and um i took this uh this is part of my No Man's Land series mm -hmm. where I imagine and picture a world where mankind has disappeared mm -hmm. and where animals are inhabiting our abandoned buildings and mm -hmm. are walking around our streets and our shopping malls and so on. Uh, so I have photographed those places and I have photographed the animals separately in the same light conditions and the same perspective and so on. And I have merged them together into a new story. Okay, so this, this is not a reality. This what we're looking at here is not has not been an existing reality. True, true. Okay. Um, it's been a project that I've that I've start, that start, that I started doing four years ago. It's taken me a lot of time to to conceive it, to get the the technical uh, skills, mm -hmm. um, to learn about light, about shadows, about composition, and about storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, so this this is taking me a step. A huge step further than the work that I used to do before. Um, I've, I've been wanting to to tell a story mm -hmm. uh, and to have the spectator uh, come with me and join me in this in this impossible world. It's an artistic representation. It's not a scientific uh, approach to uh, to things. Uh -huh. um, and I've been wanting to actually um, 
make something like a mirror where where we look into and where we see ourselves but it's no longer humans that we see but it's animals and those animals that you see here and in all the other pictures the fact that they live in our environment mm -hmm. gives them something human they have human names they express human feelings and all of a sudden we see ourselves and we see our own fears and our own our own stupidity and our own whatever you want to see mm -hmm. uh, in those animals living in our environment. And this particular um, image is a very sad one because it looks as if the second horse is dead mm -hmm. and the other one is standing there and, and, is, and is mourning over his, over his deceased wife or friend or partner, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but it could also be that the horse lying down is pregnant and is resting and yeah. then it becomes maybe a sort of a... Uh, Mary Joseph story looking right. for a place to give birth yeah. whatever you want to see in it yeah, yeah. but there's always a human connection to it okay where were those two pictures taken merged into one uh close by home uh one is on a an, uh, a never used arm of a of a uh, huge crossroad on a highway so that's where the bridge is yeah um and the horses are uh in town i mean in this in this village we have a couple of farmers who sure. have horses and uh cool and that's it i mean i've taken i've made photos the cover of my of my book is a orangutan sitting in an abandoned hotel lobby uh the orangutan is in miami and the hotel lobby in uh, in japan it could be very far apart it could be in the same in the same place all right. Okay. Well, I, I've seen a couple of those, and and th this project, which is your latest project, which you started mm -hmm. last year in 2017, is called No Man's Land. Correct. Correct. Is that how? how for me, the, the first thing that, that popped in my mind is that the the those that those sequel movies, The Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that is different because that's more violent, and that's not that's not what you're expressing. What is what is, what is the the um, yeah, what what is the objective with this life without humans or af life after humans? The objective is for me to tell a story, to mm -hmm. to to write a story like an author writes it with words. I wanted to to tell a story with my images, mm -hmm. and uh, four years ago I had a very clear conception of of what it should look like. It should it should become a book, which it has, mm -hmm. and the text should be written by someone else. Uh, the text should not tell what the photos show. The text should be separate, and the photos should tell their story on their own. Right. Um, I wanted to go further than the simple abandoned places photos. I realized when I photographed an abandoned place, yeah. and then a week later I would go to the same place again, things would have moved. Things were stolen, sofas were moved by other people to make photos or by people who lived there or had been destroyed. I mean, even if looking at my photos of abandoned places, it looks as if I'm the first to discover or rediscover a place and it's mm -hmm. all covered in, in cobwebs and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's not the reality. The reality is that I'm only one of the many visitors of those abandoned places. Okay. And I was sort of longing for a world where there would where there would be no more human interference, where there would only be okay. animals, yeah. and no more humans, no more no more stealing, no more moving around, no more tagging, no more homeless, no more junks, just right. a world without humans. And first, I started thinking in a very scientific way. 
how long would our pollution be visible, traceable on the earth? How long would our buildings stand? That would depend on the climate. A yeah. cot in humid climate would deteriorate faster than a, than a desert and uh-huh. so on. But it didn't lead me to anything to anything uh, artistic or spiritual. Uh, and then I just let go of the scientific part. And I started out with a dumb little pig, which I had photographed in the pig farm in the city, mm-hmm. in, in our town, and an abandoned church. And I put them together and something wonderful happened. All of a sudden, this dumb, snoring little pig became like a philosopher mm-hmm. in this church. And it, it, it stood there looking and thinking, what on earth have humans done with this place? What is this church? Who, right. Why why would you worship a god? And why would you leave it in this state? And where are the humans anyway? Uh, did they did they kill themselves? Did mm-hmm. they and so on? And all of a sudden, something happened. Like one plus one became three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a nice that's a nice illustration. I can I think I think I've seen that that image that uh, that pig or piglet being in uh, or standing in a church. It's, mm-hmm. um, it, do you find that, uh, I mean, having the ability to travel being a pilot, uh, and of course you can travel even without being a pilot, that uh, there are there, are there places that are, um, that are more prone to being part of your, your pictures? In other words, I mean, being a Dutchman living in, in Belgium, I reckon there are more of these abandoned hidden places in Belgium than there are in the Netherlands because the Dutch clean it up. And the Belgians yeah. just abandoned them. I mean, that would be the black and white picture. Like, what places in the world would you say are are favorite to you when to making 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 photographs like this? Well, it's a bit of a contradiction, apparently, but it isn't. Okay. The countries that um, are rich mm-hmm. and have a lot of room are most likely to have what I'm looking for. I'm thinking about the United States. I'm thinking about Belgium, France, Italy. Germany, uh, all those places are rich. All those countries are rich. Yeah. And for instance, they can afford, they have, imagine, a huge hospital. And yeah. that was built in the 1930s. And yeah. then they're building a new wing to it because there is more room. They need more room and they need more modern and so on. Right. So the old wing starts serving as a place where they put all the paperwork and right. maybe some old machines which they don't use anymore and they just put them there uh-huh. and after a couple of years nobody comes there anymore because there's no business to do there they have the new wing which is all new and new technology and the old part just stands there and then one day a window is uh, is uh, smashed right. yeah. and a door is opened by burglars or whatever and slowly the place starts to deteriorate and before you know it you have a half of a hospital which which is like an open air museum, uh, very interesting to visit, uh, easy, easily accessible or not depends. And you wonder how, how is this even possible? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you would go to countries like, for instance, Cuba, many mm-hmm. people think of oh, Cuba, it's fantastic for ruins. And uh, that's all what these. I would think. Yeah. Yes. It's not true. All of those old buildings, people still live there because they are too poor to afford to yeah. just leave them standing empty. People live there. There's only very few really abandoned places in the, in Cuba. There's many more here in, in Belgium and in all the countries I used to, uh, I just named. So, um, you would go to Japan, for instance, as well. They just, they just leave it and they, they close it and they treat it with respect and it just gets old and it gathers dust and they don't, they don't clean it up. Okay, so even even the Germans don't clean up their stuff. I would reckon the Germans, you know, being the Grundlichkeit and Grundlichkeit, everything is yeah. square. So, but even there, you can find interesting places. Well, fortunately, yes. Um, but you um, sometimes even 
I mean, even people who like to clean up everything don't have a choice than just to leave it until until legal matters are are solved. I mean, a country a, a company goes bankrupt. You cannot destroy the building straight away. You need first to uh, to find out uh, what's left, what money, who needs yeah, yeah. money, and and so on. And sometimes this this process takes takes time. And in that time, maybe the building is burned or something happens, and then all of a sudden there is no more money to be distributed, and and things just take years, and procedures mm-hmm. happen. And but it's true in Holland, um, things are being dealt with much much faster. But uh fortunately in other countries not and (laughs) they have time to there is time for the building to ripe and to become more beautiful uh, overgrown and so on apart apart from from your uh your personal preference being a photographer in terms of, of finding locations to to photograph uh, do you find, do you see that there are cultural differences in terms of, of, of course, a church looks different in, can look different in the United States versus Japan versus Belgium. Um, but are there typical things where you say, you know, typical things, this is what you'll typically find in Japan. I mean, looking at roller coaster or abandoned, uh, play parks or whatever. Uh, and abandoned bridges is something you find a lot more in France or in South Africa. I don't know. Is, is there any truth in that? Um, yes, obviously there is there is a big a big difference. Japan is a very good example of uh, of a very culturally different country uh, mm-hmm. than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, not only architecturally speaking, because they have those uh, sliding doors with paper instead of glass. They have right. a special name, which which I forget now. Okay, anyway. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, um, they have their theme parks, like with the. Uh, the roller coaster, but also they have they have theme parks um, where they imitate a country. There is there could be a German um, theme park with mm-hmm. stories about Beethoven and the Brothers Grimm and so on, uh-huh. with buildings that are exact replicas of buildings that are, that exist in Germany. And those theme parks used to enable people, the Japanese, mm-hmm. to sort of visit Germany without leaving their country. And they have theme parks of different countries. They have far west uh, with cowboys and stuff like that, theme parks and so on. These are all abandoned now, maybe not all of them, but I've visited quite a number of them. And I guess that's due to the fact that uh, people can travel now more easily and Japanese are traveling the world and they don't need to go to a theme park to see a cowboy. So that's a typical Japanese thing. Um, Also, uh, a big cultural difference between Japan and the rest of the world, I can say, is that they treat their buildings with much more respect. There is no, there is no trashing and no tagging and right. no in their abandoned places. They're they're just abandoned and they're just being visited and left as they are. Whereas in France, for instance, which is which is n- known for uh, tagging everything from yeah. bottom to top, the most beautiful abandoned castle. Once it gets uh, sprayed in a couple of days, it can become completely unphotographable. Because yeah. full of full of graffiti. Yeah. Um, in Italy, there's many abandoned palazzos which are still privately owned but are completely de- completely deteriorating. They're beautiful. They're really like open air museums where you can walk in if possible. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that's that's extremely beautiful. 
Um, how about how about I mean if I if I go to I was I was thinking about Africa but also um, Latin America if you go to Guatemala uh, the little little tiny place called Antigua which is I mean that still looks five hundred years old um, but I guess that's not interesting because it's poor relatively poor people still live in those places is no. there any distinction that that uh, Latin America brings to your work or Africa brings to your work. No, I haven't explored a lot in Africa, and I have never uh, traveled uh, real Latin America except for parts of uh, Brazil. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, yeah, I guess there are there are places worth going to. Mm -hmm. um, but once again, I'm I'm more looking at the atmosphere of a building that has been left for a while right. on its own. Yeah. And the places like Africa are usually so crowded, and people are poor enough to be to be looking for anything they can yeah. use yeah. in those places that I visited an abandoned hotel um, in Africa and, but everything was gone. I mean, all the, all the washing tables, all the radiators, all what, all iron, all copper, uh, it's all gone. It's just an empty, an empty concrete shell. shell yeah. And then it becomes very difficult for me to recreate an atmosphere of the people who live there or how it was yeah. it looks like uh, beirut uh, after the after the civil war it's yeah. it's, it's completely gone uh, the same you have in countries like romania and bulgaria they are they are too poor to just mm. uh, to just leave all that valuable metals so these places are just being yeah. are just being ravaged and there's nothing left but concrete yeah it's a shame actually yeah you you, you started as as a 16 year old boy uh, uh pointing and clicking away with your camera that grew into abandoned places 2017 brought you your uh no man's land where you you put layer on layer in terms of of a, a location a building uh or or some sort of uh, construction and then animals with it so life without humans what's what what's next on your wish list or what well, else would be on your wish list? Um, I've been feeling not empty, but I have finished this project. It's taken me four years. It's my sixth book. And right now I'm still thinking of where to go and what I want to tell. And I don't want to rush that process. It's also a very nice and interesting uh, process to think of your next project. Um, when I started this No Man's Land, uh, project. I had lots of doubts. Mm -hmm. I I uh, I spoke with many people about it. I showed them my work. Uh, one moment I was thinking, oh, this is this is complete bullshit. This mm -hmm. is uh, this is kitsch. This is not art. This is just me making some. And at the next moment, I thought this is really working well. Look right. at this photo. It's really touching something. Yeah. I was balancing between between euphoria and complete uh, <laughs> deception. Yeah. But fortunately, and this is this is a lesson that is really important. If you're good at something mm -hmm. and you have an idea, then you should just follow through with it. Mm. Uh, you will you will get somewhere. And because I asked advice uh, at many people that I really respected, but they came with with opposite uh, answers yeah. and they came with their own um, uh, meanings and and so on. It didn't bring me any step further. I just really had to to follow through and. Um, and go with my project. And that really works. That's almost a guarantee for success. If you're yeah. good, you have an idea, just, just realize it and you will, you will get somewhere. Um, and right now I don't have a, uh, 
a clear project yet. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm experimenting. I've put my digital cameras away. I'm exper experimenting again with analog with film. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm developing my own uh, films again uh, mm -hmm. upstairs. Um, it's a process um, that never hasn't ending. that hasn't uh, clarified yet. Yeah, no, no it's no. never ending. Also, yeah. yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. All right, excellent. Um, well, it's it's um, uh, we're heading. I'm looking at the recording time. We're about 32, 33 minutes in recording, and usually it's about thirty minutes. So um, I'd like to um, wrap things up if, up if that's okay with you. A couple of questions <laughs> still left. Two predominantly. Um, the one but last question is, can you give us, with your experience as being a photographer, the work that you've done uh, being creative and the work as a traveler and pilot, I guess, following procedures, what three tips could you give us to become more culturally competent? To become more culturally competent, I think the first, the first thing is to shut up and listen <laughs> uh, and shut up and look. And uh, I realize that it's not enough, for instance, to speak a language uh, to be able to communicate uh, right. efficiently. You need to understand the mindset of the of the other people. Um, so again, listen, look before you speak, and the things that you will say afterwards will be much more meaningful than if you were the first one to start speaking. Okay. Um, if that counts as one, that's, that's already my, my most important one. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I like to, I like to read, um, about a country that I am planning to visit or that I have visited, um, just to try and understand what their history has been. Uh, history shapes people. Yeah. And if you know the history, then you know so much more. Uh, about the people already, you, then you know why they say s s the, certain things and why they think this is important and that not. Um, so it's again a matter of first listening and then speaking. It's already it's also reading, um, and not being afraid to to reach out and be uh, be um, be be open, but also be. I can't find the word in English. Kwetsbaar. Vulnerable. Uh, vulnerable. Yes. I think it is, it is, if you, if you, uh, if you present yourself in a vulnerable way, then the other person will also open up and will also, uh, open up the wall and show, and show the real himself. Yeah. Um, and you can have many interesting conversations once you have opened up and you, you can go deeper than just the yeah. basic, uh, how are you? The weather is nice exactly, and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so opening up. Yeah. I visited Japan three times. Japan is such a different country. Yeah. The first time I could have been on Mars. I haven't spoken with anyone, mm -hmm. just the key at the reception of the hotel and go again. Uh, nobody knew what I did. I had been there 11 days and there was no records, no traces of me. I had spoken to no one. That's ex extremely strange mm -hmm. sitting on the airplane back home and realizing that nobody has, has known what you've done. You've spoken to one and so on. The second time, um, but only the third time I, I had in interesting conversations. I started to understand how these people think. Uh, and all of a sudden these conversations like kind of chained to each other and became, became, uh, much more important 
in in visiting that country and gave me a much pleasant more pleasant uh, experience okay nice cool yeah it's uh, I, I can share that experience with japan as well it's such a different culture from uh, from where you and i come from um, but mind you if you go to the united states you will have exactly the same the same uh, the same thing i mean the americans also <laughs> have their own thoughts and beliefs and you speak the same language it looks like you can communicate on a 100% basis but the opposite is true. true they live in a in a very different world than ours and again listening is uh, is then the key to understanding yeah i'll underline that shut up and listen and shut up and look <laughs> it's actually it's yeah. um, uh, if i can add that that little story i i i did some work for um, a belgian bank called belfius or dexia at the time and I, uh, afterwards I was sitting down with somebody and we were having a drink after the work. And I said, what is the one thing? What is the one, one, one thing that a Dutchman should do to do better business with a Belgian? And then this person looked at me and she looked at me really long. And then she said, it's like, she simply said, shut up. <laughs> and, and that was so powerful. So I can so much, I can so much, um, link up to what, what you just mentioned. Shut up and listen, uh, but also shut up and look. I think that's important yeah. as well. Um, Hank, where can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you or if they're interested in uh, getting any of your books, Abandoned Places or No Man's Land? They can Google me. I have a website called hankvanrensbergen.com, mm -hmm. uh, which is the most up-to-date one. I have an old one, which is called abandonedplaces.com, uh, which is no longer updated and which has become an abandoned place in itself. <laughs> um, so Google me uh, and... Uh, Books are available on Amazon worldwide. They're available with me if you like an autograph. Um, there are um, exhibitions from time to time, uh, and you can you can see that on Facebook or on my website. They're all announced. All right, excellent, great. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on for these, uh, 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 giving us shedding us some light on the pictures left and right of you. Uh, they're a good starting point, I think, to uh, to listen and look at this podcast and videocast and to explore the, wor the work of, um, of yourself a little bit further. Thanks again, and I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other uh, when I might board a two-way flight. You never know. You never know. My pleasure. Take My care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hank, it's been a pleasure. Uh, safe journey on your upcoming flight. I wonder, it's a question I forgot to ask, actually, uh, which place you might want to visit and what kind of pictures you are going to take home. In any case, this has been the Culture Matters podcast. Like I said, you can watch this on culturematters.com slash YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, then please do so now. And of course, leaving a, a review on iTunes, preferably five star, is something that I would really appreciate. Okay, um, what else? I have to say that, of course, that culture matters as well. This episode was produced by Janice Sheila. Music was by Band Sound. My name is Chris Smith. This is, or this was, the Culture Matters Podcast. And I'll be back in two weeks' time. Oh, and last week we had Dr. Alain Grapple talking about claiming back your identity. So make sure you check out that episode as well. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.